0: We had a, uh, just an incredible time uh, this year, as we did last year and uh, I, mean, I, just, I hope that you guys would pray about going with us uh, next year, uh, August seventh through the fifteenth. Uh, the things that you were able to see in the video and, and that you 'd see if, uh, whether it 's pictures uh, that we have or whatever uh, they don 't do it justice uh, they really don 't uh, to be able to at the beginning of that video where you saw uh, the the mobile soup kitchen where we're out on like this mountainside, and you see all the little Uh, What look like sheds, you know, like sheds that we would like put our lawnmower in and realize those are homes for families of five, six, seven people, uh, things like that. But to not just see like, wow, you know, look at this street of these homes. No, to see a mountainside uh, full of them, to see hundreds, thousands of these shanty homes uh, where people uh, live on relatively no money. Uh, and to when we come in there with a mobile soup kitchen and to be able to give them, you know, a, a plate of, of food that we had this uh, with rice and some meat and things like that in it, uh, to be able to hand that to them and realize that might be the only thing they ate uh, for several days. Uh, but just to be able to, to see the joy on people's faces and to be able to have the chance to share the gospel, to be able to serve and to proclaim the name of Christ uh, to people in a, in a country, in a, in a location where uh, they don't get to hear it. Uh, This this area of Peru, Lima itself has 14 million people and somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% uh, have no relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a relatively lost, uh, you know, country in that sense, that they, they don't have a relationship with Christ. They don't know about Jesus. They don't have the Bible at their hands. Uh, but we come in and we're able to hand out tracts. We're able to hand out Bibles and to be able just to present the name of God to them uh, in a great way. And I hope that you would pray about going with us next year. Uh, I've already had some people tell me this morning, like, hey, I'm going. I've had a bunch of you already tell me that you're planning on going next year. I've got a list in my office on the dry erase board. I just want to keep adding names. Uh, so we want to take as many of you all as we can and just see what... What God can do uh, through coastal through us uh, there in Peru, and be able to just reach uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of people, to see lives change, one life could be changed, which could lead to uh, generations of families being changed by one individual uh, accepting and coming to know Christ. And so I hope that you would uh, plan to go uh, next year and, and just to be able to take in what we just showed in this video, but to ultimately see it for yourself, and it will change your life. You will be blessed uh, by going on an international mission trip and having the opportunity to speak to someone and to share the gospel with them. So I hope that you will pray about it. Uh, We're going to have a meeting in September. Uh, We want to try to get it planned uh, even more ahead this year to where we can get tickets, hopefully this fall or winter, uh, to get them as cheap as possible, just to to be able to save all those that go uh, as much money as possible. So we're going to have a meeting in September. So uh, look in your bulletin over the next few weeks uh, as we uh, have that date uh, set, and you can come hear more about it. We can talk a little bit more in depth. You can ask questions, things like that, that you would have about it. Uh, but today, uh, in the, the time that I have with you this morning, uh, for the rest of the, this moment here, I, I just want to be able to open up God's Word and be able to talk about this topic of, of Be Real. And why uh, this is the, the title or this is the theme for today is because I think uh, we're going to talk about being a real Christ follower and what Paul gives us in his, in his letter to Timothy. Uh, but to realize that being a real Christ follower has some tangible things. Uh, there's some, some real uh, you know, marks, real proofs in our life uh, as a Christ follower. Now, for me, uh, when we talk about being real and what's real, for me, one thing that is real is Shark Week. we have any Shark Week fans? Anybody Shark Week fans? All right, all right. Shark Week. I love Shark Week. Now, let me preface this by saying I am scared to death of sharks, okay? Uh, Like, I have one fear in the entire world, it's a shark. And, like, when I was moving to Charleston, I was like, you moving to Charleston? I was like, yes, this is where my life will end. I will come to Charleston, I will get in the ocean, and I will be eaten alive. I have nightmares about it still, okay? So, like, but I have to watch Shark Week, Uh, And I think it's, like, the whole, like, keep your enemy close, like, know your enemy, you know, like, you know, if a shark comes at me, punch in the nose, poke it in the eye, like, you know, I know what to do. Of course, if it's, like, bigger than me, that's not really going to work, but uh, I have this this thing, but so for me... When watching Shark Week, you know how there's always the couple shows throughout Shark Week where you've got this guy who's like on the back of a boat, and he's like, you know, got the video, and he's like, we're off, you know, the coast of Cape Town, and, you know, we have blood and chum in the water, and there's great white circling the boat, and we've got a, you know, a rubber seal dummy out in the yard that we're pulling, you know, in the water behind the boat, and we're going to see if it attacks the, the rubber seal, Right so like it begins to kind of like oh man like is this really going on is this really happening and like you see the you know the shadows of the sharks you see maybe the fins but when it gets real is when that shark jumps out of the water attacking that seal from underneath and flies up out of the water with it in its mouth and lands back in the water now first of all let me say sharks are flying these days people we have a problem coming our way <laughs> Okay. If they're flying, when will they start walking? It might happen at some point, uh, but that's when it gets real. When you actually see the shark come out of the water, you actually see it, and you're like, "Now this is real." You know, for me, also, uh, we, uh, my wife and I, we are having our little girl in 33 days. I'm so excited and terrified all together at the same time. Uh, but for me right now, it's not real, right? Like, my body's still relatively the same. Uh, I eat the same. I sleep the same. Uh, you know, for my wife, it is very real, right? She, she's, it's very real for her. But when it's going to get real for me is in roughly a month, we're going to go into a room and there's going to be six people in there. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a seventh person in the room that did not walk through the door. <laughs> That's when it's going to get real. When i all of a sudden like, wow, there's an extra human in here. But when it gets real is when we see something or we touch something. That's a lot of times in our life when something gets real. And I want to encourage you today and talk about just for a few minutes today about our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we accept Christ and we're kind of in this moment where like, you know, is it real? Do I really have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is this some kind of an emotion or a thing I'm just feeling or is it actually a real thing? But so often when it becomes real is when we see something tangible. When we see God work in our life that he carries us through a situation and we get through it and we're like, man, Jesus was right there with me. Or he works through you, and you get the chance to share the gospel with someone, and you're like, man, look at that. I was able to sit down and talk about my faith with this friend, and now they have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They're going to be united with God for all eternity because God worked through me. You begin to see these tangible things, and it becomes real. You see, what we have here in 2 Timothy is we have Paul, and Paul is, uh, at this point, he is sitting in prison, This is is believed to be the last letter of Paul's life, the 2 Timothy letter. He's sitting in prison for his second time. He is shackled up, and he's writing these letters to Timothy. And he begins to tell Timothy uh, some things about about God's word and about perseverance through suffering and all these different things. But in the verses that we're going to look at today, I want us to be able to pull out five things, five marks of a real Christ follower. And it says this in chapter 4, verse 1. It's on your sheet, and it'll also be up on the screen. This is a very powerful passage of scripture, I think, as we read it. And that familiar passage, familiar verse in verse 7, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith, is one that we so much gravitate towards when we read Second uh, Timothy in chapter 4. But what I want us to pull out of the, these eight verses, I want to pull out five truths, five marks of a real Christ follower. And the first one is this, is that they speak and they live the truth. A real Christ follower is someone that speaks and lives God's word. We have God's word, which is truth. It's complete truth. It's whole truth. Uh, just previous in chapter 3, it says that all scripture is God-breathed, meaning that every single word in here is in here for a purpose from a perfect God. It is there for a reason, and it's to be used. It's to not pull out you know, just bits and pieces, but it's to pull it all, all together and to bring into context together, but to be able to live this out with our actions and with our speech. You see, God's going to give you an opportunity as He works through you in your life, as you pursue after Him, and you read His Word, as you pray and as you worship and fellowship. That He's going to work in your life in a way that's going to allow you to speak and to live the truth more easily. Uh, that He's also going to speak to you and live, where you can speak to you in a way that you can speak and live God's truth in a way that glorifies Him. That ultimately He is the one that gets the glory out of it. You see, when we speak and live the truth, there are ways that God is going to work through you, maybe right here in this in your own community. Maybe in your own workplace or in your family that he's going to pursue through you someone else. And he might have the chance to, you might have the chance to, to share the gospel. To be able to share the gospel with someone, to see one, someone else turn their life over to Jesus Christ. Because you're open to being a resource or a tool used by God for his glory. Uh, when we were in Peru, we had several, several opportunities this, that week. All right, we had the opportunity to do a whole bunch of different things, to go to pass out tracts, and to, to witness, and to, to preach, and to share our testimonies, and to serve, and all of these different things. But one of the things that got to me most uh, was the drug rehab center that you saw up there, and just realizing, man, that there's a guy there uh, named Hector who is uh, playing the drum, and he has been leading those guys to Christ. And they're singing worship, they're studying God's word, man, an awesome experience. But another one that really touched me that week was on Friday. Uh, we had a chance to go into a juvenile male prison. 3,000 inmates between the ages of 12 and 17 that are in there from the smallest of crimes to the worst of crimes that you could think of. But to walk into this place, as they take us through these different gates and different doors, our little group, we had teamed up with another church that week uh, while we were there just to be able to do ministry together. And we walk into this one kind of a courtyard, I guess, uh, that was a concrete slab. There was huge walls on each side of it uh open air at the top but we walk into this and they and they close the gate behind us and there's 200 of these uh juvenile males uh inmates uh lined up in rows sitting on the floor now as the uh the warden began to talk to him and he began to just share with him like this is who these people are this is what they're doing to come as he's talking to him we're kind of going around and we're shaking hands and just introducing ourselves and just you know hey nice to meet you hello hello just that kind of stuff and I get to one kid and I, I sat down uh, as the warden was talking and we sat down and I sat down next to this kid and, and he spoke English, just a little bit of English but enough to where we could talk back and forth and he began to share with me, he told me he's 15 years old. He had been in there for about a year and a half because he had killed someone. And I didn't ask him, he just offered that information up. And as he began to talk he said, you know what, from the day I got in here I felt awful. And not even from the day I got in here but from the moment I did it, I felt awful. I felt bad about it, I can't believe I did something like that. But a year earlier, he said, my mom and dad just walked out, just left me. Basically, he was in a shanty home by himself, no food, no water, no adults, nobody he knew. He began walking the streets, roaming the streets, and he needed help. And the only people that would take him in was a gang. And they said, to be a part of our gang, we're going to give you uh, food, we're going to give you, uh, you know, money and a place to live, shelter, we're going to give you all these things. But to get in, you have to kill someone. It's the rite of passage. It's the way, it's the initiation to get in. So he's like... I did it he said I did it because I realized it was either me dying or that person dying he said and from the moment I did it he said I knew it was wrong he said and since then I he's like I've had to live with it now for a year and a half he said you know what when I turn 18 they're moving me over to the men's prison and I'll be there for the rest of my life no parole that's where he's in one mistake one serious mistake but one sin So I began to talk with him and then at that point uh, the warden turns it over to us. Uh, I got up and had the chance to just just share the gospel for about five, ten minutes. Just tell them about what Jesus Christ did on the cross, how he died on the cross to forgive them for their sins and to sit there and to look into the eyes of 200 uh, kids, boys that are in prison because of something they've done wrong and to say, Jesus forgives you. And they're like, yeah, but we're still in here. It's difficult. But for me to then tell them like, you know what? You may still be in here. But One day you're going to leave this earth, you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, did you know my son Jesus Christ? And for you to say yes, he's going to bring you into his arms, he's going to bring you into his kingdom. No matter what the sin was, no matter what the mistake was. You see, God worked through myself and our group and the the team that we were with to be able to, to talk to those boys. And as Mike uh, began to lead them through uh, just prayer, if they wanted to turn their life over to Jesus, and he, you know, he kind of led them through prayer, and as he began to do that, I walked out, and I stood kind of in the middle of him. I could just hear him praying, hear the voices. I didn't, it was in Spanish, so I, didn't, I was, you know, was going to clear on a few words that they were saying, like Jesus and you know, things like that. But I knew what they were doing. And as I'm sitting there, I'm just listening. I can hear I got chills, and I look over to that kid that I talked to, and he has got his fist clenched in the down, and he is praying, and he is just so, I mean, he was in it. Now, it's not for me to judge hearts and words, because we, we told them that it's not about the words you speak, but it's about where your heart is when you turn your life over to Jesus, because anybody can say the words. There's not some magical words, but just words calling on the name of Jesus. So we had people that turned their lives over to, over to Christ, because we were willing to be a, a vessel for God to work through. The question is, if you are a real Christ follower, are you being a vessel that God's working through? What's he want to do with you? He wants to do something big in your life, through you, at your job place, uh, in your school, uh, with your family. So a real Christ follower speaks and lives the truth. The second one is this. A real Christ follower, they are accountable. A real Christ follower is accountable. We have to quit looking for fans and start looking for friends. We have too many fans in our life. Think about it. You have too many people in your life that are like, yeah, go, do it, great job, great job. But not enough people saying, you know what, you really messed up right there and you need to take care of it. And people that do that out of love, let's be clear, accountability is done out of love. It's not done out of judgment and criticism. But someone that is a real Christ follower has an accountability. Has accountability with maybe you have an accountability partner. Maybe you have a group of people in your life that you can go to and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. What should I do? But we need to have those individuals in our life. We need to have people that are true friends that are willing to say, you know what, you shouldn't be doing that. You need to, you need to readjust. You need to change. That's not what God would want for you to do. So they're accountable people. The next thing is this, number three, they do the work. A real Christ follower does the work. And what I mean by this is they get their hands dirty. A real Christ follower is someone that gets their hands dirty, is willing to serve, willing to go out, willing to share their testimony, share the gospel, willing to serve those that are in need. We did that in Peru. But you can do it right here in Charleston as well. There's people, there are groups that need somebody just to love on them, show them compassion, to serve them, lend a helping hand to you know, a lot of times I think we have uh, just people in the world today that they look at church as a hobby, right? It's like it's the thing they do. You know, Sunday time to go to church. But when they go out of here, there's no church in them the rest of the week. Is that you? Because church, let me just tell you this, it makes an awful hobby. Church is a horrible hobby. Think about it. you got to wake up early on the weekend like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of up, down, you know, like people invade your private space, they give you hugs, they kiss you on the cheek, whatever. I don't, you know, like everybody's up in, in your face. Like, it's an awful hobby. But you see, it's not supposed to be a hobby. It's supposed to be a way of life to be the church, to be a part of God's kingdom, spreading out and glorifying Jesus with our actions, with our speech, with the way that we teach God's word right here in this room, but not just in this room, is when we take it and sit here, and we listen, and we study God's word, and to take what God is speaking to us, and then to take it out of this building, and to take it into the community of Charleston, take it into our own homes, to take it into our workplace, and to be able to see lives change because God changed our life, and we're willing to be used. We have Paul here uh, in verse 6. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He's being poured out as a drink offering. Meaning this, he has been taking in God's word, taking in God's blessings, mercy, his love, taking in all of these things and now he's being poured out onto others. He's keeping others accountable. He's teaching, he's doing the work, he's showing and guiding others. Are you being poured out right now? What God is pouring into your life, the words, the teachings of Jesus Christ, the love, the compassion that he has shown you, the forgiveness he has shown you for each and every sin. Are you pouring that out into other people? Are you offering that up and letting that just ring throughout your life? Because you see, Paul is doing this. He's taking this time to say, you know what, I'm going to be someone that mentors. I'm going to be someone that is accountable, that encourages, that ultimately proclaims the name of Jesus Christ through my actions and my speech. The fourth thing is this. They endure the journey. A real Christ follower endures the journey. We have this, this journey of life that we are all on. This journey that is is hard, this journey that is difficult, is going to be tough, right? Becoming a Christ follower is not meant to be easy. If somebody's ever told you that, it was a lie. In fact, to be a Christ follower may be even more difficult. You see, the journey is going to be tough. You're going to face a journey of of, of conflicts, of situations, of things that are going to want to drag you down, of people that are going to want to drag you down. There's going to be good times as well. When somebody wants to lift you up or encourage you, when you're going through it and it's like, man, look how God blessed me in this. God blessed me with, uh, with a child, with a job, with a, a raise, with a, a new home. And we receive these blessings. But ultimately, the greatest blessing we receive is forgiveness for our sins because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. But you see, we have this, this journey uh, that's laid out for us that Paul talks about in verse 70. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, we've got to keep the faith. We've got to finish the race strong. You're know, you going to have life events that are going to be there to knock you down. That when you're going up this journey, this mountain of life, that there are going to be things that are coming at you that are going to cause you to stumble. You're going to begin to ask and wonder, and you may be wondering right now, well, why is this happening to me? God, why is it that that, I'm having family issues or family struggles? God, why is it that me and my husband or me and my wife, we are arguing day in and day out? Why is it, kids, why is it my parents are going through a divorce? Why is it that we lost someone in our family? Why me, God? Why now? And we face struggles and trials and all sorts of things because we live in a sinful world. But God has a plan. He has a will and he has a desire for our life. It's to endure the journey. The entire book of 2 Timothy is about this perseverance through suffering be able to persevere through the things that we face and the struggles so that we don't ask, why me, God? Why now? We can say, God, strengthen me. Strengthen my faith in this moment, in this trial, this challenge that I'm in. See, a lot of times we ask for God to remove the trials in our life, don't we? Something's happening, like, God, take the, take this trial away. God, take this, this struggle away from me. When maybe we should be praying, God, give me a stronger back to carry the trial on. God, let my faith strengthen and increase. That as I pursue after you more and more, you begin to ring true in my life. That you begin to speak through me. That you begin to proclaim your name. You receive the glory through when I face a struggle or a trial, something awful in my life. That you come out on the other side and it's like, man, look what God just did. Look look at the glory he's going to receive from that. So we endure the journey. The next thing is this, number five. A real Christ follower reaches the summit. They reach the summit. Uh, you know, the idea of, uh, if you've ever been, uh, I went to Alaska last year, and to go to Alaska and to see uh, what they have is called the Alpine Delta. The Alpine Delta is like, when you're looking at the mountains, you've got trees, 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 and all of a sudden there's like this perfect line, and there's no trees except for like just random trees spotted throughout. See, that line is where, beyond that line, trees cannot survive as well unless they are strong. So the trees that are above that line or past that line are the ones that are strong, the ones that are rooted way down in their foundation. They are grounded in something bigger and better that keeps them to grow and allows them to survive. Our life is the same way. There's going to be lines in our life that we will cross, and the question is, are we grounded, are we rooted in Jesus Christ, in the rock, to where that when we face those things that we survive because we are strong in who He is. You see, we can't do it on our own. He's got to be there and He works through us but you can survive in a way that Jesus has already laid out and says, you know what, I'm here. I'm right by you, side by side. Let's do this together and you can survive. But when it comes to reaching the summit, do you realize, that, you remember your first trophy you ever won? And I mean like your first trophy you won, not like this participation trophy stuff. I mean like you won, for, like you beat somebody in a game or and whatever and you won a trophy, right? Like, I remember mine, I was five years old, it was for soccer, we got first place, and I was like, yes, we won, you know, and I probably, I was five, I probably like, yee, you know, like to the team that didn't, you know, that kind of thing. But like, do you realize that there is a trophy? Do you realize that there's a crown of righteousness waiting for you? Everyone who endures the journey, everyone who turns their life over to Jesus Christ, endures through the trials, the struggles, continues to rely on their faith in God, and reaches the summit Meaning that when they leave this earth, they stand before God, and he says, you know what? You did some great things, but did you know my son, Jesus Christ? Did you have a relationship with him? You can say, yeah. And he says, then come on in, and well done, good and faithful servant. See, if we don't have a relationship with Christ, the things that we do on this earth are, you know, our church attendance and our, you know, how many worship songs we know and how many, you know, things that we serve at and how many things that we do. If we have no relationship with Christ, those things are meaningless, we turn our life over to Christ and then we do those things because he first loved us we don't do those to earn his love so you reach the summit you receive Paul says he calls it the crown of righteousness He says he will receive it on that day the day that we stand before God and we give this you know we don't have to give like a spiritual resume or anything because he's going to ask one simple question did you know my son did you have a relationship with him for you to say yes he's like here's your crown Here's your prize. Here's your reward for enduring. Your reward for making it through this life. Here it is. The crown of righteousness. As that should be our, our, our hope, our joy. We should rely on that and be like, you know what? I have a relationship with Jesus. I've turned my life over to him. And now, when we leave this planet, we leave this earth, we stand before God. Like, this is where the, the reward comes. It's not about in the encouragement from other people. It's not about the prizes or the, the rewards that we reap here on earth. But it's about that one prize, the crown of righteousness. The question is, are you pursuing after it? are you pursuing after it in Christ because when you have this summit you are climbing a mountain of life and things are going to begin to come down the mountain they're going to try to take you out they're going to stump make you stumble they're going to knock you back and you're going to fall but the whole time if you have a relationship with Christ he is right there to pull you up side by side and say you know what that one knocked you down but here we go let's keep going and you keep moving up and you might get knocked back down again but he's right there he's going to pull you back up but there's many of us that are trying to do it on our own we're trying to navigate this mountain and things are coming and it knocks us down and we have nothing else to grab because we're trying to do it on our own. But you see, Jesus died on the cross so that we could have him right by our side so that we could quit trying to do it on our own so that we could quit trying to you know, do, navigate these, these struggles and these trials and things alone but that we can be with him, be united with him. He says this, you know, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us but because the standard has been set so high. If we have ever sinned, if anybody in here has ever sinned one time, you fall short. You see, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned. We've all made one mistake. We've made more, but we've made at least one, and that makes us fall short, meaning we cannot get to God on our own. So no matter how many times you try to go up this mountain, you will never reach the summit on your own. But Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death meaning the payment of your sin, of our sin, is death. If we sin, there has to be payment of death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, that scripture goes on to say. You see, the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus. The payment of sin has to be made, and it was made by Jesus on the cross. The question is, are we willing to believe and trust in that and put our faith in him as our Lord and as our Savior and quit trying to rely on ourselves? Because let me tell you, we cannot do it on our own. To be united with God for all eternity in heaven only comes through Jesus Christ, and it cannot come on our own. But to reach that summit, to reach the mountain peak that when we stand next to God, and he says, come on in, welcome, we get to be with him for all eternity. Scripture is very clear on this. This is God's word. This is the truth about what that means. Let's pray. Father, we, just, uh, we come to you to, uh, this morning. Uh, Lord, just thankful for your word, Lord, and how it can speak to each one of us in, uh, in different ways, in amazing ways. Uh, God, I just pray that uh, as we read and studied 2 Timothy, Lord, that the words of Paul, uh, that they would ring true in our life. God, that we would step back and maybe evaluate where we are and say, you know, uh, am, I, am I a Christ follower or am I just going through the motions and checking off the boxes? Father, for those that are here then, uh, this morning, Lord, that maybe have just been doing that, they haven't turned their life over to you. They've just simply been doing the stuff. Father, I pray that they would want to turn their life over to you this morning, God. That they would want to call on your name, repent of their sin, so that when they leave this earth, they can be united with you for all eternity. God, for those that are here this morning that have a relationship with you, but Lord, maybe they've just uh, they need to reconnect, recommit, get their life back on track, and, you, and because they're realizing, you know, I have you as Savior, but I don't have you as Lord the things in my life, the marks of the Christ Father that we just talked about, they're not evident in me. But I pray that those individuals, Lord, that this would be the moment that they would recommit and reconnect with you. That they would refocus, that they would go out of here with a different mission and a different mindset for this week and for their life. Father, we love you so much because of what you have done for us. You are God and you sent your son, Jesus Christ, down the cross for us to pull us out of the pits of hell and into the glory of heaven. That only comes through a relationship with you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to take just a, a moment uh, of response. Uh, as the band's going to play, uh, around the room we've got tables of uh, cups of juice, uh, pieces of bread. Uh, this is, these are symbols to represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed, that was beaten and bruised and crushed for us, for our sin. So what we do is, you don't have to be a member of Coastal. We just ask that you're a member of God's kingdom, meaning you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to take a moment. You can come to one of these tables. Uh, You can take it back to your seat. You can step off to the side and pray. Uh, You can step off to the side with your family or friends and pray as well. But take that moment to respond and to thank Jesus for what he's done for you. As we remember him, as we remember what he did on the cross for each one of us, that because of that action on the cross that it pulls us out of hell and it brings us into heaven for all eternity with God. That's our hope as a believer, as a Christ follower. Maybe today for the first time you want to call on the name of Jesus and turn your life over to Him. And you want to take the Lord's Supper, you want to take this moment for the first time as someone that has a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what we're going to do is we're going to sing and I'm just going to ask that you would take this time to worship. Take this time to pray as you grab a cup of juice, as you uh, eat a piece of bread.